welcome to the T-Hud Podcast. I'm Moby. And I'm Leland. And I'm Marty. Leland, you sounded like the final name there. That was a little bit weird. Yeah. Like, I'm Moby. Well, I'm usually I am. When you introduce, usually I am the final name, but you guys switch seats. And oh, now the order is different. we did. That's oh, why it's confusing. Now I'm really thrown off. Well, you know what? That just might be a little poke at the future there of this podcast, just like this episode. Oh my god, the tie-ins! Very forced tie-in, but a tie-in <laughs> nonetheless. Everything we do here is forced there, Moby. Future, where we're going, we'll probably still need roads. But <laughs> this, this is... I like our, that title. Yes. Yeah, I'm excited for this episode. I may be the only one. Yeah, I'm, uh, that's okay. Uh, what's cool this is... This episode's gonna be about as good as Blade Runner was for me. Ooh. So tune in next week to find out our thoughts on Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Or... <laughs> okay, never mind. I'm not gonna throw anything. Because that bonus episode comes out on the 16th. So in one week. <laughs> okay. Well, let's not give anything This away. episode releases on the 9th. You already know that, listener, because you're listening because to it. Because it's probably <laughs> the 9th. Or you're a 13-year-old who's discovering this podcast in five years. Yeah. I think this is, like, the closest we've ever actually recorded to release date in a while. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. Normally, we got a couple in the It's, band. like, one in the morning after we just saw Blade Runner. We've already recorded the bonus episode, but... So don't expect us to be peppy. No, no. Or happy. I've had so much coffee. Yes, and I've had an energy drink, and I am rearing to go. So let's start it off with the banter, where I don't have a lot. I do have one thing, but we'll go with me last. Marty, Okay, so for the banter segment this week, uh, yeah, I've got lots, actually, and they're all video game related. Surprise, surprise. Just what I like. <laughs> so uh, sit back, listener, because if you don't like video games, you're going to be bored. Okay, just... we know who's skipping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've had some negative feedback on the video game segment. Yeah. And, you know, that's fine. We want your feedback if it's positive. If it's negative, <laughs> shut your mouth. Yeah, listener, shut up. Yeah. Yeah, no one likes a negative Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh. I wish Nancy was our actual name. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, big news. Uh, I have a SNES Classic. Woo! I uh, sent my wife on a mission to get one at 6.30 in the morning while I worked to pay the uh, SNES bill. (laughs) (laughs) You're not that much of a bill. No, actually, it wasn't bad. Uh, Yeah, it was like 120 bucks with tax, roughly. Yeah, good. Uh, So I played it a bit. I haven't had much time, and uh, I didn't have speakers for my uh, monitor. So I've been playing with some headphones where the cord didn't reach my uh, chair, essentially. So I've been just, like, blasting the sound of the headphones at full blast so I can hear Mario. <laughs> oh, that is pathetic. Yeah. But surely the headphones are longer than the controller cord. You would believe so. <laughs> <laughs> Yet both are very short. <laughs> uh, yeah, so a few things about it. It's it's really cool when you turn it on. Uh, it shows you, uh, you can just run through all the games. And it's got like the original case as like the image for them. Oh, cool. Um, and on the back of the box, it shows all the cases for the games, which is really co- cool. I kind of miss having those uh, really big heavy duty cases. 
Um, the only downside is you have to hit reset on the console to go back to, to the games. games. Oh, yeah, yeah, many of which is kind of silly. But although the court is so short, there's no reason you'd be anywhere away from the console. <laughs> it's, it's in arm's reach. Yeah, anyway. you're probably cradling it. <laughs> uh, I played, I turned on about 10 different games just to try them out for a few minutes. I played about an hour of, Was that uh, like 10 of the 20 on it or the yeah, 21, or yeah. I played Isn't there a secret one that you have to play? Oh, you get Star Fox 2. You, well, you have to beat 2. the first level of Star Fox or something, right? Yeah, oh, I heard that, yeah. Yeah, I didn't see it, so yeah, it must be. Um, I didn't try that one out. Yeah, I tried uh, I know stuff. a bunch of the other RPGs, and I tried Mario for about an hour and a half. Um, I was surprisingly good at Mario. I was very impressed with myself. Pat on the back. Um, my wife and I played... Uh, co-op in Mario and she had never played before and it showed. <laughs> um, I forgot how brutal those games were. Like, old games are not, uh, like, they're punishing. Did you play Mega Man? I haven't played Mega Man oh, yet. Oh man, I love Mega Man. I, I want to play Super Girls and Ghosts because that's a really hard game too and oh. yeah, I'll be spending some time on there this weekend for sure. So I'll have some more updates on it once I've had more time with it. But it's pretty neat. It looks cool. I actually um, really want one now too. I really want to get the uh, wireless controller for it too. There's some other oh, third-party yeah. ones coming oh, out. Oh, okay, yeah. that's cool. I think they're only like thirty-five bucks. Or something. Oh, that's so not really cool. not bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and they all they have a button on the controller where you can go back to the menu. Because that's the only reason. How did they? How did they make that? That's the only reason why you can't on the uh, the regular one is there's no button for it, and the reason oh. they didn't do that is they wanted to be authentic. Oh, but it would have been so easy to put a little button on top somewhere. Like, so couldn't they? Well, I mean, couldn't they have just Put an additional selection in the start menu? Yeah, you Return think so. to home screen or something yeah, like that? Or like, like, just put a home button on the controller in the middle somewhere. Yeah. Like, it's not very hard, but whatever. You know, it's not even authentic. Even, so. even like, at the top of the between the shoulder button. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, it would be totally out of the way. Sure. You never hit it accidentally. No, you wouldn't. Yeah. Um, there's a cool feature in there where you can, like, pause your game and, like, rewind oh, it yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, uh, you suspend it. You can create sus- suspend points. So, like, before a hard boss battle, you can yeah. suspend it and, like, rewind it, which is kind of cool. That's kind of cool, yeah. And yeah. it doesn't automatically save it or whatever. Yeah, and that, you know, that, like, makes those difficult retro games a little more enjoyable, I think, for some people, too, right? You know yeah. I mean? Like, it, it does, I think it makes them more accessible. And I think you can, like, make your own gameplay montage video out of those suspend points. So, when you highlight the game oh, to go select cool. it, it plays that little suspend point montage. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. That's cool. Uh, it's a cool little console. It's super tiny. But then how do you... What do you do with that montage, though? Because isn't the back of it just like an HDMI port and the power cord port? Do you hook these up to the internet? Oh, it's just for you to watch. Oh, okay. So yeah. you can't... Like, you, can't it, you can't upload it. You can't right? upload it. No, no. Right? You're, oh, just, you're just okay. watching it. It's like... You can play it and then record the TV with your phone and then tweet it. And then yeah. <laughs> and then uh, plug your phone into a computer and then upload it like it's 2001. <laughs> uh, you can do this because this technology from 1989 has now been evolved about 12 years, but it's still 12 years behind. And it's also <laughs> part of Nintendo's typical strategic... Uh, way that they do business. They're like, yeah. 10 years behind. Yeah, two, two, two generations behind. They give you just enough to get a taste, but never the full scoop. 
Exactly. They have <laughs> so you're getting a free they have a button, of ice cream at Baskin They have Robbins. a button that will connect you to the internet and it just literally says you have been connected, but won't let you do anything. <laughs> you it just teases you that you could connect through Nintendo. It's kind of a throwback playing a console that has no internet connection. Because yeah. like I'm so used to everything having a store. You're so or, safe from hackers now. Yeah. <laughs> or your porn. Well, apparently, apparently <laughs> let's be honest with you. You can dude. hack these things pretty easy, apparently, and put your own games on them. Oh, um, cool. There's already a, a program for the NES Classic where you can do that really easily. Oh, uh, so apparently there's an SNES. Like you just like load an emulator into something it? like that. Like oh. you, you can pretty much just that's smart. Yeah, and but you, you know what? That if they made them to the, I guess. Nintendo already has their virtual marketplace, right? Where you can download retro games. Yeah. But, like, if these things could connect to the internet, you could just purchase other games. I feel like this is to separate it from the virtual console. Yeah. I'm betting within the year we're going to see a virtual console on the Switch. And that's going to actually have a lot of these games, thus negating the whole point of buying this because then you'll be able to play (laughs) a handheld version of everything. Yeah. Exactly. So just take my money, Nintendo. Yeah. Like you have yeah. for the, my but whole you know entire what? life. I mean, our current Nintendo fans, they'll really be audience for these things. I mean, we've talked about this before, right? Yeah. Like, seems this, like everybody's the audience. Per- yeah, that's true. It seems, yeah. This is perfect for me. I don't have a current or a Nintendo system or even from the last three generations of the Nintendo mm-hmm. system. So. I would love to get one of these things. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, I'm a Nintendo fanboy through and through, um, but I own most of those Super Nintendo games for my Wii. I've had issues playing my Wii Virtual Console because my Wii died, but Nintendo has this weird thing where you can transfer the essence of your Wii to a Wii U. It's soul. You can literally transfer its soul. It's crazy. You have to have an SD card. You have to do some swapping. There's some crazy animation of Pikmin carrying your individual files and you see your actual save files of like Resident <laughs> Evil picking carrying them up ramps. It was the craziest thing. Forget about the cloud. Yeah, right. We have the train. We got the Pikmin. We got the Pikmin <laughs> train. So that's funny. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. SNES Classic's really cool. Um, and just in other general video game news, I'm just uh, I'm playing the new Tomb Raider, which I think is somewhat relevant because we actually have a movie coming out next year. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the shitty trailer. The shitty trailer. Um, What's that game called? What's uh, that Tomb Raider called? It's like Tomb Raider, Tombs Be Loving, or Tombs Forever. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Them them tombs keep on coming. <laughs> it's uh it's good. Um yeah, I think I had a better one earlier. I forget. What. <laughs> yeah, I think it was better. <laughs> you like set me up, and I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. Um, it's cool. It's just you know classic kind of actiony. Got a lot of RPG elements, which are fun. Oh yeah, yeah you'd like it. It's, oh, I'm sure it would. Yeah. I like the. Is this like the third? Of Sec- the new one? Second of the, the second. Okay, so I played the first rebootish one. Right? Yeah. Okay, I played that one. One thing that's weird about it is the cover system. There's no, like, duck button. It's just, like, automatic. When, oh, like, I don't like that. And it's kind of screwing me up a bit. Yeah, because it always fucks me up. I don't yeah. Like that. And uh, some of the stuff with the controls is kind so of So you pop out a cover whenever you aim then? Yeah. But you, but you have to run out, though. You just run to the wall and it automatically puts Yeah, you and because there's, like, a lot of stealth in the game, too, it's. Tricky. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah, it's kind of screwing me up a bit, but I think I'll get used to it. it it's good, though. It, it, you definitely like checking it out, and That's the cool. uh, upgrade element to it's really cool. 
Um, I recommend it. Now that I'm also playing Final Fantasy XII uh, remake, which is also really good and really long. And Jeez. yeah, I'm going to be busy for a while, so I might not make the next few podcasts. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that's okay. I'm sure Leland and I will be very agreeable. Oh yeah, we'll get along great. <laughs> Well, we'll kill each other on air. The first on air murder. <laughs> well, I've been playing the long dark, uh, <laughs> but so is Moby. Right? So, for the listener, if you don't know what the long dark is, it's basically just like a survival simulation where there there is a there is like a story mode, but there's also like a free play mode where you're just you're in like the great Canadian north north. And it's like, you know, snowy and cool as balls and you're stranded or whatever. And you have to find and pillage and for, or not pillage, forage for shit to survive, like collect firewood and, you know, find abandoned cabins. And hopefully they have some food, maybe, and like catch rabbits, throw, throw rocks at rabbits and then stun them and then grab them and snap their neck and then gut them and carve them up and stuff. It's difficult, uh, but I think I enjoy it. (laughs) Like, when I'm playing it, I don't want to put it down when I start, but I don't want to get... I'm like, like, oh, God, I have to survive the survival. It's crushing me. Yeah, I'm playing it, too, and I'm having significantly more difficulty than Leland is. Um, Yeah, I think I've died two times, so that's not too bad. Two... In the first five minutes? <laughs> no. I died I a mean, total of seven times on the first night. I Wow. That's brutal. I kept I, falling into the fire and burning everything. <laughs> I did that too, but as soon as the, your character says, Ow, fire, step out <laughs> of the fire. Well, in speaking of automatic controls, I thought I could walk to cliffs and climb down. <laughs> and you can. Yeah, I think uh, so I died... Once to a wolf attack, and I, I actually, oh, I purposely killed myself by walking off the cliff because I was fucked anyways. Oh. Again, I got attacked by a wolf, and it was nighttime, it was dark, I had no light, the moon wasn't out, it was like overcast, <laughs> there was fog, and I was like, I'm limping, like bleeding out, I just had to find a cliff and just off myself. Okay, in all seriousness, one thing I hate about that game is that you get yourself injured, like sprained ankles and shit, yeah. for, for stuff that's honestly really pathetic. Like, the yeah. slightest little hill. It seems that way. It does seem that way, I agree. But, I mean, sprained ankle goes away pretty quick. Yeah, unless you keep no, doing but I it. get what you're saying. <laughs> it's like, it's almost like hyper-realism at some times, like some aspects of it. Does yeah, but does. man, there are wolves everywhere. There I are know. so many friggin' wolves. It's ridiculous. You can't walk Ten feet without seeing a wolf. That's true. And they're howling, and you're like, oh my god, where is this wolf? And you're looking around, and if if it's, like, even inclement weather at all, you can't see, can't even see your hand in front of your face, and it's like, ah, it's 30 below out here, and my, my clothes are threadbare, and I have to find a sewing kit to repair them, and <laughs> oh god, I I have, I carry too much, I'm, I have way too much weight, and I can barely move, I can't sprint because my backpack's too full, and if these wolves come, they're gonna get me, and I, I can't find a gun to save my fucking life. Ah, I like it. Uh. You know, that's interesting because where does half your family live? 
a certain uh, northern state <laughs> of the United States. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I should be right at home. The apple falls far, or should I say the branch falls far from the tree. <laughs> the branch. <laughs> yeah, no, but like the game has like, uh, it's got a crafting system, a pretty cool crafting system, and uh, like a degradation system. So all your your, I mean, like I said, your clothes they degrade over time, and your tools as you use as you use them they degrade. You have to make sure you find like whetstones to keep them sharp, and you can eventually make like improvised axes and improvised uh, like pickaxes and stuff. And I don't know for being like the snowy wilderness, the terrain is pretty varied. Like you find caves and stuff, and uh, like frozen lakes with like ice fishing huts out there and it's cool i enjoy it's it cool. yeah is the map uh, like just like randomly generated or is it always the same i think it's always the same so like and i think there's a bunch of different areas so okay. i haven't even gotten out of the first area yet but base and it took me a, a while to even find a map of the area so it's not like it's not entirely sandboxy Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, I am playing the campaign, so that could be why. Oh, okay. I'm playing through the story part right now. And it is pretty linear. I mean, it gives you some choices you can make, and, like, you can meet other people, and then there's, like, this trust thing where you build, try to build your trust with them. Like, I met this old blind lady, and I, like, I went out and found I found her some firewood, and I found her some food and stuff. She still wouldn't give me her fucking rifle. Ooh, I want a rifle. That helped me because in the story you're like looking for like your ex wife because you she comes to you and there's some unspoken tragedy that's happened in the past and you guys are no longer together and you haven't seen each other for years and she asks you to fly her up to this village and then your plane goes down mysteriously your plane like loses power and there it crashes and you're separated and you're trying to find her that's pretty much the story so far so so yeah I know it's cool like I found the old lady she's like the only one left in this like abandoned town little village thing mm-hmm. but there's wolves everywhere there's fucking wolves everywhere oh my goodness you think maybe she's like a warg like she's controlling <laughs> she's, the wolves? she's just fucking with me yeah she's trolling me no it seems fun i mean i though i notice like sometimes you'll find like deer carcasses yeah that you can harvest and but where there's often when you find the carcass there's gonna be a wolf around like right. feeding on it and you can scare the wolves away with fire and stuff but like I I I gutted and I carved up this deer carcass and but then it like it respawned. Like I, I got everything out of it and then I enough game days past me doing stuff, like it came back. Oh. Yeah, I, mean, I don't really like really that. Nice I don't know thing. what else does that. I, I don't know. That's like weird. It, yeah. Like a deer carcass respawn point. Yeah. Maybe though it's just maybe I can't get anything out of it. I don't know if I've checked if I can actually carve it up again. Oh, okay. So maybe not, but the wolf sure as hell came back. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. He didn't get the memo. No, obviously not. But there's this one part where it's like, I was out too long exploring, looking for food for this stupid old lady. And the sun went down. And I'm like, oh, shit. I can't get back to this town before it's dark. So I'm like running. And again, like I'm over. I'm like, I have way too much shit I'm carrying because I got a backpack full of this canned food. I found so much for this bitch. So if you're too overweight, you can't sprint at all. But if you're under this, I don't know what the limit is, but if you're under the limit, then your sprint bar, sprint bar is just reduced. So I have like a reduced sprint bar. And so that you have a hunger and a thirst and a tired meter. 
and you have a condition bar. So the condition bar is basically your life. So if any of your three meters run out and are in the red, you, you lose condition over time. So, but the longer, the lower your tired bar is, the the lower your max carrying capacity is. Mm-hmm. So as you're out longer, you're more tired and, you, and you're fatigued more, right? So that was killing me. But then there was seriously like three wolves coming at me. And one got me and I fought him off with my knife I found. And then I pop open a flare and I'm running and these wolves are following me, but I can keep them away from the flare. I whip the flare at them and I just turn and I book it and I make it back to the house as the wolves are like, <laughs> I hear them. I'm like, oh no, oh no. And I make it back to the house finally next to the old fire. I sit down on the ground to the, in front of the fireplace that so the old biddy is sitting in a rocking chair at it. And I'm like, oh, thank God. And I throw it in my mat down and I sleep till morning. And oh. I like games like that where you end up making your own story out of it. Yeah, it's cool. That, that's when those games are at their best. Yeah. So, listener, we hope you've enjoyed the T-Hud podcast long dark <laughs> special. A solid 50 minutes. Spent so what do you give it out of 10, Leland? Oh, 11. Oh, wow. Yeah, I give it one howl out of five. <laughs> I give it a non-appointment. I'm, in, I'm enjoying it so far. I really just want to do the... I want to really try the free roam stuff. Yeah. I think that's where the game's going to shine. Yeah. Are you playing it on PS4? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, I want to pick it up. I'm waiting for sale, probably. Yeah, I was going to, but then, like, Moby, you got me all piped about it, and we were I like, did. yeah, we were, like, gunning off of each other. Okay, let's just both get it. Let's just get it. Oh, one fucking thing. Stupid PS4. Six for fucking ever to download that game. Oh, wow. Apparently, the PS4, when you're downloading shit on it, it, like, closes this little data window, so it transfers, doesn't transfer as much data from the network to, to the actual console as it should oh, or uh. something like I was because I was so it took so long yeah I remember you were complaining about that so it, it can only transfer a certain amount of kilobytes in this case I think or maybe megabytes probably certain amount of megabytes before it has to talk back to the network saying okay we've done this do you have any more Mm. And it and that's where the delay is. It keeps happening going, hey, you got some more? Hey, you got some more? Oh, okay, thanks. Thanks. Here, has got any more rocks? I'll take the single pebble from you. <laughs> Can I take another pebble? I'm trying to fill a fucking dump truck worth of pebble. <laughs> that's a very good analogy, Leland. That was I pretty good. That was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking yeah, Absolutely. Now bullshit. take that dump truck of pebbles and throw them at those fucking rabbits because I love killing those suckers. <laughs> I love breaking their necks. I don't even bother. I found a snare, actually, so i got to find a good place where all these rabbits will set up the snare. As long as you break their necks, I think. Yeah. I think that's what you use. You use, like, the, the guts. The oh. deer guts and the stuff. Okay. You can you use that to make snares. And I think eventually a bowstring. I don't know. I've watched some Let's Plays of it before. Mm-hmm. Like, I watched... Like, this is back in the, uh, a few months ago. I was watching a Let's Play of, like, the Free Run stuff. Because it's been out on PC for a while, and it recently was yeah. came out on the PS4. It just... Came out and it also just kind of finished. I think uh, uh, beta or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's in this prime release now. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's been on. Uh, like it was in beta for like two years. I think you a buy, long time. Because like, yeah. at the time of the let's play, I don't. The solo campaign wasn't even. No, that was a new. Wasn't game. even. Uh, yeah, thing. So. Oh yeah, well, that's 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 it for me. That's no, my right. banter. Mine is small. It it's just uh, news yeah, has come yeah, out the last couple days. <laughs> <laughs> oh Marty. Wah, wah. Um, the uh, the Fast and the Furious spinoff is happening. 
which is Jason Statham and The Rock's character, Hobbs. I uh, don't know too much about it. I have I, not even heard of this one. Yeah, yeah, it was it was rumored to be happening because uh, Tyrese Gibson had sent a bunch of angry tweets out about Dwayne Johnson, saying he's not a team player, he's making the franchise all about himself. So it was rumored that Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, wanted a spinoff, and he's getting it. Um, he has to team up with Jason Statham's bad guy. Well, allegedly, I guess on the set of The Last Fast and Furious, um, The Rock had issues with all his male co-stars. Yeah. And they were being kind of like divas, and they weren't like just going to work. <laughs> yeah. And The Rock really? like, called them all candy asses in a Yes, dream. he did. <laughs> like, all, all, his, all his male co-stars. Cause the, and the, the Rock, I mean, arguably is the hardest working man in Hollywood. Oh, totally. So, if, yeah, if you got a problem with The Rock, you're probably wrong. <laughs> well, I, I, mean, yeah, the, I agree with that. The guy's awesome. I mean, he really puts his heart into most of his uh, roles there. And, uh, yeah, he's very like amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Baywatch, Baywatch. <laughs> have you guys seen Baywatch? I haven't. I no. haven't. I haven't seen it. I want to see it. Yeah, I can give it a watch for yeah. sure. But I wouldn't pay to see it. No. <laughs> Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's pay to see it. Uh, Marty, anything else on the banter front? Or? No, I'm good. Let's good. see. Okay, I'm ready to jump in. Here. All right, let's jump in. Jump in. <laughs> jump in. <laughs> let's take a dump right into <laughs> Leland Prime. This with his dump truck, amazing analogy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you're dumping all over my analogy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll just. Uh, I'll just. <laughs> just move into the flush into <laughs> the future of Star Wars, which Leland does what consider. This is the movie musing segment. Oh. Thank you. I was going to get to oh, that. Oh, sorry. But uh, <laughs> I think last or one of the last episodes we forgot to actually yeah, intro it was some segments. Two or three. Yeah, I think so. Movie musings, the future of Star Wars. There we go. There we go. There's a nice official introduction. What we're gonna do here is basically talk about the two most recent films and where Star Wars is gonna head from here. So, knowing that Leland's not the world's biggest Star Wars fan, uh, Marty, future Star Wars. <laughs> you just going to ignore me? No, Did you, you, can, you, you can add your three-second thought when Marty's done it. And I'm done. <laughs> I, I have quite a few notes here. Okay, I'll oh, sum up brain. Leland's thought. It's, I hate it, but I'll end up seeing no, it. Oh, come on. It's not like that. Okay. Actually, most majority of my thoughts are about Rogue One. Okay. So, I'll chime in when we get to that. Well, my basic feeling is they were good, but also bad. Okay, for the three-second <laughs> thought today, goes to Marty. No, but, but really, like, okay, so the first, so episode seven, um, I, I went to go see with you, Moby. Uh, I think it was your second time seeing it. Uh, I liked it. I, I was enjoying it watching it. But all I could think of watching it was how much they were relying on nostalgia and and trying to harken back to the original. I just, yeah. I wanted so much more out of it. I think that's just my general feeling with these films is that, they're taking it, and I'm glad they're kind of doing Star Wars right, I guess. But I feel like they could do something more and not just be Star Wars. Be be brave. Be bold. Like, Rogue One had a lot more potential. I think it could have been a, a lot darker. It could have just been a really gritty, awesome movie. And it was good. It but, been, uh, what was that word I used for Hellboy last episode? Uh, oh, um, yeah. Not, not, <laughs> I forget. Not Start with a G. Yeah. Yeah, I remember giving you shit for it now. <laughs> <laughs> Reference it in the show notes. 
<laughs> okay, I'll reference our last episode. <laughs> that was episode six. Geek is good for you, listener, in case you missed it. That makes me want to pause, listen to it, and, and like edit this and then be like, and throw it in. <laughs> we'll be asleep. It'll be 5 a.m. by the time we look at it. <laughs> Listener, if you remember what we what word we used, please message us and tell us. I think we're forgetting a lot of words. Based out the Blade Runner uh, special as well. Uh, Leland, your thoughts on the two recent films? Was Marty done? Oh, no, sorry. not even close. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. When we go to bullshit, I just... I guess when I said movie good, but also bad. You know, like, <laughs> we got uh, the gist. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, continue. Marty. Uh, you know what? I think... Uh, uh, just one one idea really kind of stuck to me is I really like the idea of like that they're doing standalone films. I think mm-hmm. that's a cool idea that they're kind of getting away from the whole like episodes and just going into deeper into the universe. And that's why I like Rogue One. But I think they need to go even deeper, get away from the tropes that affect Star Wars, get away from the nostalgia, get away from the old characters and start making something new in the universe. Kind of like how we have an extended universe in novels and books, and uh, those are the same thing. Um, and, <laughs> and in uh, video games is what I was thinking of. Like, you know, there's like the Force Unleashed. The Force Unleashed. There's yeah, like yeah. the uh, Kotar Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, yeah. And they go, like, they do. But pre- I mean, yeah, I know, but they've, like, done, they, they've, like, said, no, whatever, we don't care about all that stuff. That's right? true. And I feel like that's a mistake. Yeah, well, I mean, I you got to imagine that the idea is then to dr- still draw from it and just reintroduce it. True. As part of their new canon. And well, like, I can tell you that's 100% true yeah. because that, they brought Thrawn back. Their Grand right. Admiral Thrawn. They right. brought him back to Star Wars Rebels mm, as right. canon. So, I mean, basically Disney buys Lucasfilm and the rights to Star Wars for $4 billion, they want to have a somewhat clean slate because the Expanded Universe was so in-depth yeah. at that point that they were basically so be trapped it. into yeah. doing these yeah. specific I'm schemes. sure there would be so many contradictions with anything they tried to do. Sure. Yeah. But it doesn't mean you can't bring stuff from the Extended Universe. Oh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And I suppose now, uh, following in Marvel's footsteps, trying to have a cohesive universe of films and then a kind of extended network kind of like Marvel has with TV and uh, even yeah, like the Netflix shows and stuff. They're all loosely connected. I'm sure that's where they kind of want to go. Yeah, but you know, it's interesting though, like they are certainly in a much different position just because of the already established timeline. Like they have to work between basically the, the original trilogy and this new trilogy. Yes. Right? Like, yeah, because you can't go. At least that's what they're doing. You you definitely can't go past it. But you could go before it and do, like, deep prequels. Just set the the concept of Star Wars. But yeah, you're right. But you know what I mean? Like, even any of their offshoots is all all going to be. Yeah, they're in the boundaries. Pre. Yeah, Yeah, I guess it would be hard to sell a film that didn't have some sort of hook like that. Like, yeah, you know, this is definitely. Han Solo. This is like. But what if, though, is, is the universe not rich enough to be able to just tell a story in the universe? Like, maybe you know, not. You know what? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe the answer is no. I would argue that Rogue One was fairly distant as a spinoff could go. I mean, okay, yeah, yeah. it's the overall story of the rebels sure. stealing the Death Star plant. But, like, pretty much all of them were new rebels. Yeah, with the exception yeah, yeah. Of well, well, 
But let's finish we'll get there. Yeah, you didn't. Okay, what, what did you think? What did you think? You never uh, I definitely like Star Wars 7 uh, more than Rogue One. I thought they were both good, but Rogue One had extensive reshoots and a new director brought in for those reshoots. I thought it showed. I think Rogue One got off lucky, even that said. My favorite scene in all of Star Wars, in all of the films, is the Darth Vader corridor scene where he just slices rebels to pieces. That was a last minute scene that was filmed in just a couple days, way after all the other filming was done, even the reshoots, and we almost didn't have that scene. And if we didn't, I can tell you from my personal angle, I would have liked the film a lot. Oh yeah, me too. I mean, I think that's kind of sealed the deal for me. Otherwise, I would have left a bit of a sour note in my mouth for sure. Well, I think it's a scene that was needed somewhere in the franchise. I think Vader's power overall has always been mostly implied. I think due to special effects limitations, you look at the fight he had with Obi-Wan in the original (laughs) Star Wars, it's pretty pathetic. We needed to see this murderous menace, not just him turn on a lightsaber and then the screen fades to black and you're like, oh, he killed a bunch of people. You know, we need to see what that actually looks like, even if it was only 30 seconds. I, I am very worried about where the core trilogy is going. I think for me, I really liked Star Wars 7, but I it was right on the line of being too derivative and too much copying Episode 4, which was a major criticism from a bunch of angry fanboys. To me, it was okay enough, yeah. but I'm worried what I've seen from the trailers and the art and the concepts yeah. for Episode 8, that it's going to copy Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. And if it does... Like, guys, I'm in full-on disappointment. Well, I mean, you know what's funny, though, about Episode 7? There's just there's so much merit to those criticisms, where I haven't seen Episode 4 in probably at least 15 <laughs> years. Like, okay. I, I, was a, I was a baby when I first when I watched that on VHS. But the, the, tr- the I don't, they're not tropes. They're not, like, fictional. Tr- they're not tropes. But, for lack of a better term, the tropes... That they mimicked, like I could easily have easily picked up on them watching the movie. Like you, you watch, you're watching, you're like, wow, okay, another dish. Like yeah, exactly, yeah. right. Like they were so evident, even for a layman of the of the franchise, such as myself. I just yeah, those I, there's huge merit to those criticisms. Nah, but I like I I did I, I I agree with you. that Episode seven was better than Rogue One. Uh, a lot. I, I I really didn't like Rogue One. A lot of it was just stupid, in my opinion. <laughs> I liked I liked Episode Seven. That was fun. I had fun watching it. Yeah, I liked the characters more too in Episode Seven versus Rogue One. Most of the new characters in Rogue One just weren't really appealing to me, with the exception of KS Two O, the kind of yeah, sure, you yeah. know, back talking droid. I thought he was really well done. But I mean, what else can you say? I guess the only thing I'd ask you guys about Rogue One, because everybody else weighs in on it, is bringing Peter Cushing's Grand Moff Tarkin back with CGI and that actor to do his voice. Did you guys feel that was a distraction or a stupid choice? Do you care either way? I'm just interested in your thoughts. I thought it was an interesting choice, but I mean, it's not like it affected me in any way. But again, I'm not a big fan of the originals, so it wasn't like I had any nostalgic connection to it. I just knew it based on reading about it. If no one had told me, I probably wouldn't have realized. 
Mm. Yeah, I don't care. And I think that's, to me, an issue with these films in general. Is like It's nice seeing this build cast, but it feels like you're almost expected to applaud just for seeing them. Yeah, totally. It's yeah. like every time they're on screen, it's like almost like the music comes up and you're like, oh, it's Han Solo and oh, it's Leia. Yeah. It's very exciting. It's funny. I, I don't give a shit about Harrison Ford or Carrie Fisher, but I just, I like Mark Hamill, but not because of his role, not because <laughs> of Luke yeah. Skywalker. Just, I just like, I love Mark Hamill because of all his mm-hmm. voiceover work. That's, that's, that's like, interesting. So, I, yeah, I, I like seeing Hamill on screen, but not because he's Luke Skywalker, mm-hmm. because he's Mark Hamill. Yeah, which I think is fine, though. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You like you're basically the same as liking an actor, right? Right, that's right. true. But I mean, give them something good to do at least. Yes, and yeah. uh, I'm a little bit concerned that like the films are going to be too focused on like one of them, each one's going to be focused on a old character. So yeah. like the last one was Han Solo, the next one yeah. will be Luke, and the next one would have been Leia probably. Because it was, I think she was quite involved. That's exactly what it was in episode be. nine. I can but, tell you that's but exactly now there's like, you know, a lot of rewrites happening. Right. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Well, okay. I'm gonna get to my bitch about Rogue One. Go ahead. Okay. The, what I did not like about Rogue One was what it said and what it portrayed the Force as being. Mm. It bas- it just turned the Force into fate, which I thought was incredibly stupid. So, any choice any of those characters make, it's not a choice. If the Force is driving them, and the Force will lead them to what they need to do, that, that I think that's completely ridiculous. That means every single choice ever made, ever, by anyone, has no emotional impact on anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's it's entirely just a plot device. Oh, I gotta push this button. I'm a blind dude. I'm gonna walk across the beach and throw a switch, avoiding blaster fire just because I'm destined to do it. Because the force is with me. I'm one with the force. I uh, stupid. I thought it was really stupid. Yeah, I kind of got it as like his faith in the force, in like nature, and this like omnipresent power was like kept him safe. But you're right. I mean, it was implied that it was fate that he, you know, his faith led him to survive yeah. just to do that. It's I'd have to see it again to just see how much of it I guess was, was, was in that was in the film. But that was the impression I got. With yeah, I remember you saying that because <laughs> yeah. like, we had seen it, and like I, I don't disagree. Okay, <laughs> okay. Now I just thought of something. I'm going to play devil's advocate to my own <laughs> main gripe. So. You even need us. Like, I know. I'll just, yeah. Yeah, just you guys just yeah. take off and go to sleep. All right. So, okay. So, yeah. the force is neutral. It's a neutral force. Yeah. On capital F, force. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, but the people who are in tune with it and who wield it and use it are the ones that interpret it or turn it to either the light or dark side. Would you say that is you're agree- in agreement with that? I would say there's a very good chance you're right, based on what I've seen in the trailers and heard about uh, Episode 8, which is that Luke is somehow decided that to be a true Jedi, you have to be a gray Jedi. Which yeah, is I was going to get to that. I was going to get to yeah. that. So, the Force being neutral, that would have to stem from they're always needing that balance to the Force. Then. That's mm-hmm. where that need for balance comes from. So, is 
the characters' actions and the fate of these characters, then the force itself s- balancing it, like balancing itself. Hmm. Is that the whole? Is that you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I do. The force itself is doing the balancing. It's not up to the force uh, in the people in tune with the force to do the balancing. Like the, like the force can takes care of itself. Yeah, yeah. is that what? This is trying to. Te- is that what they're trying to go with, or is it because that still takes away from characters' actions using the force for light or dark? It just seems like the whole universe is cyclical, where like no matter what happens, it will all happen again, and it always resets. Yeah, itself. yeah, exactly. I think you're on the right track there, and that the force wants to be balanced, and yeah. that's why there's the prophecy yet. It seems like people for thousands of years in Star Wars lore have been like, oh, you have to be dark. That's the only way. Or you have to be light. Yeah. And fucking up the galaxy because of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. and then and that's why, like, the Grey Jedi, or, or just the Grey, are the, are the coolest, I think. Yeah, I think that's... That's creative for them to go on that road. I really hope they do, yeah. and it, it really does seem like they are. Yeah. But... You know, we'll have to see. That alone will not save episode eight if it's so derivative like it looks like of yeah. Empire Strikes Back yeah. for me. I don't know. So. Just something about just the force just rubs me the wrong way after that Rogue One now. It's like, I don't know what you're trying to make this. This What is it? What is it supposed to say to me about the characters? And like, I mean, like it's so it it was or is or ha- is, is a religion, right? So... The followers of the of the force. What was the thing like from the the blind guy and his gay buddy from for, from Rogue One? They were like acolytes of the force, or whatever. Yeah, right? well, they had protected some sort of temple. To yeah, the yeah, force. yeah. So they're basically force monks, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. But are no longer because all that shit's destroyed. Well, yes, exactly. Okay. So. Okay, I don't know. I don't know what the where I, I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. I just <laughs> okay. So is the force balancing itself, or are other characters seeing uh, dark side users imbalancing the force, and it's up to them to make choices and decisions to balance it? And the force is just something they use to do it. Or is the force fate, and it's balancing itself, and in predestined determinations because it's because of the, this omniscient ever present thing I suppose my counter argument to you would be that we just asked you your opinion of the film <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry but this and now we're this, having this philo- philosophical discussion about the board <laughs> which is somehow far more philosophical than Blade Runner yeah, <laughs> no but this question the answer to this question or lack thereof Entirely decides my feelings on the whole franchise. Maybe we'll find out. (sighs) You have to keep seeing the films. Oh, of course. (laughs) They hooked me. They're hooking me in. So you have to be just be uh, Star Wars neutral until we. (laughs) I have to be gray until (laughs) you're you're force neutral. I'm force neutral. If there was anybody who was not in tune with the force, it would be me. So. <laughs> You'd watch out day one of on, uh, on forms in the Star Wars universe. You have to fill it out: light side, dark side, or or force neutral. Force neutral. <laughs> None of the above. 
Uh, Alright, what's the next point? Okay, the next point is pitfalls of young talent. It's interesting because you kind of touched on it right at the beginning of this chat about uh, Marty saying that they're being too conservative and just kind of staying within the same universe. But were the producers and executives at Disney destined to be conservative? (laughs) Or or are they they trying to balance to be conservative? (laughs) you know what? It's funny you mention that because I actually think there's a nugget, a speckle of truth to that. There always is when I'm speaking there, <laughs> Oh, you <laughs> bastard, you. <laughs> um, dump it on us, Moby. Well, basically, I think what, what's happening is that right I, think, on my chest. <laughs> I think Star Wars financially is such a risk that you can't really take such a creative risk with a it. Risk? Because really? Financially, risk? just because it's very expensive okay. to make a Star Wars movie. Yeah. Right. And if you screw it up with all the backlash there was to the prequels and you lose part of that audience, yeah. you lose the $4 billion you invested a few years ago into it or you start making losses. What I do not like what Disney is doing is Disney is specifically hiring young and up-and-coming directors who do creative unorthodox movies and then firing them or replacing them for reshoots when they go beside or out of these clearly distinct conservative lines. Yeah, that seems yeah. counterintuitive. Very counterintuitive, and I think it's happening. No, it's definitely happening. It's happened uh, several times on these new films. I think um, over three different films, they fired directors. Right. right, a couple times, multiple directors on the same film. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I think that's because of all these critics, these fans. You got these asshole critics going to see movies and give them five and a half out of ten when their buddies are sitting there giving them higher reviews. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just the internet. There's always yeah. that asshole on the internet. <laughs> Leland. That asshole There's always steal. a Leland out there. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't be like the funny guy and the jock. It should just be the troll and the others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, movie, you gotta stop trolling people. Hey, you gotta pay the troll toll. You gotta pay the troll so to get in. <laughs> troll toe. What did you say? Troll toe. Hey, hey, hey. Troll toe. Hey, man. We can't stop once we start. <laughs> Listener, it's always sunny in Philadelphia season. Oh, fight your up the yeah. night, man. Oh, oh. <laughs> Champion of the, the sun, sun. <laughs> which, will be up, which will be up fairly soon at this rate. In which. By sunlight, we could master our karate. And friendship. For everyone. <laughs> Do not edit out that last one. Oh, no, that's in there. No that's matter in what there. happens. All right. Well, let's okay. get this train back <laughs> on the okay. rails here. Train kept okay. rolling. Okay. Let's, <laughs> um, anything else on the directors? Anyone have anything to add? No. We just okay. Bad news. Um, bad news. Thoughts on the two standalones that we know of. Han Solo, which is almost in post-production, and Obi-Wan. Tackle them. I don't care. But you just uh, said you like the standalone. I, I I just, I want further away. I don't want a Han Solo standalone. I don't want a Obi-Wan standalone. I only like the idea of Obi-Wan more just because Obi-Wan's a Jedi. <laughs> That's it. Well, the, the Obi-Wan's the most obvious, in my opinion, to make. I mean, yeah. you've got Ewan McGuire. Well, what are they going to make him do? He can't be out there. What's he going to be fighting? Like, is he going to be really wielding? It's like, he's, isn't that him, his younger self, like, the diplomatic self? Like, I guess depending where they 
place yeah. it. So is it supposed to be like uh, pre clone like Clone Wars in between Episode One and Two? No, my understanding is it's what happens after Episode Three. You know when he okay, goes okay. off. When they, all the Jedi have to go in hiding and stuff. Right, because yeah. you remember Ewan right. McGregor's about 45, so he's perfect age to do that kind of movie. Yeah. Um, you can build the movie around him as the tentpole. You don't need to have other old characters or, or other, uh, you know, characters that we know. It's it's like playing T-ball. Like, this is the one ball that's on a tee waiting for Disney to take a swing and hit it. So yeah. As opposed, that's actually not a bad decision. Do you think they could introduce... Um, like a new Sith too, right? He's yeah, battle against. I think he's going to have to battle yeah. against some sort. <laughs> Otherwise, what else is he going to be doing with his lightsaber? It'll be a political drama. Oh, okay, <laughs> a political <laughs> drama. Uh, that's fine. No win in court. Oh, good. Okay, it's like a house of cards. Yeah, in space. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sci-fi political thriller. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm more excited over the Han Solo movie for a couple of reasons. Um. It's being written by because they Lawrence. found their reincarnation of Harrison Ford. <laughs> he does. He does look the part. He does. He yeah. does look the part. But um, got Donald Glover in it. Yeah, Donald Glover. Underused Spider-Man: Homecoming. Yes, yes, he's a great actor. I think he just won an Emmy. I might be wrong about that. I know for his, he was nominated uh, for a TV show. Yeah, Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, I want to see it. So I mean, yeah, he he it? should be great no. as Lando. You know, here's why I'm looking forward to it. It's written by Lawrence Kasdan, who is the Star Wars writer. He's the guy who wrote Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And this is a guy whose favorite character is Han Solo. And I do think he elevated Han in Empire and Jedi versus the original Star Wars. I think, fine. You know, he's Han Solo-ish in the original stars. Certainly, I think, in a, you know, a an argument easily can be made in Empire Strikes Back that Han was on top of his game. So until he wasn't. Until he, and was, he was trapped. <laughs> frozen. Frozen. Which apparently might happen in episode eight. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking for these two, I will I'll need to see a pretty good looking trailer before I decide whether or not I actually want to oh, go to the theater to see them. Really? You think these are an automatic go see? I think you will. I I, I will. Uh, <laughs> all right. If you're going and you invite me, I'll probably come. That's what I mean. But I us. was really excited for Rogue One. Those trailers, man, they did a good That's job. Those they promoting did. them with footage that didn't make it into the movie at all. They did a great job of false advertising and they hooked me in. I just remember with episode seven, you being like, "Nah, I don't really want to see it. And then you messaged yeah. me and we were both at the theater at the same time. Yeah, but that that is because I fell bass backwards into a ticket. I didn't um, go out and seek it. My brother had an extra one. I was like, okay, yeah, fine. How I'm not doing convenience. It actually was very convenient. Very nice so one. I remained topical despite not even trying. You should have ignored my tone there. I was being serious. Oh, <laughs> I usually ignore whatever you say. Smart. Yeah. Are you guys even talking right now? I feel like I've been no, talking. No, you know, I'm, I'm reading the other points that we have, and I think that we've touched on them a fair bit. I mean, I'll throw back, you know, the point on handling the old cast and familiar scene or themes. Sorry, does this make the series repetitive or in danger of stagnation? You know? I think it's entirely yeah. in danger of stagnation. Isn't it already kind of halfway there? I'd say we're on like three alarms of a four alarm blaze or something here, yeah, right. like. 
I, I am very worried about everything I've seen from episode eight. Yeah. And, and I don't want to be, but you know, the scene I keep referencing is in the first teaser trailer for episode eight. You've got ETT walkers, which are a new model. They're on white salt flats instead of snow, and you've got these small little speeder things going out to fight them. And if that isn't derivative of Empire Strikes Back, of one of the most unique sci-fi battles in movie history, then I don't know what is. They need to come up with a better design of battle mech. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Okay, I do like the new ones, though. They carry this huge honking cannon on them. It came out in this these, uh, Photos that were released, like yeah. gigantic laser cannons That's on the cool. pump. That's kind of cool. I kind of like that the Empire is just bad at being the Empire. <laughs> yeah. so they always put some sort of flaws. They just throw bodies at it. They got, they got bodies, yeah. man. They got the numbers. I okay, just... but why would they put these giant hawking cannons on them when they know they're not tailoring to their enemy? I know. They got, they're they going to have a cannon bigger, three times as big as the ships they're actually firing at? Come on, Empire. Jesus, Realist- you really want to take over this galaxy? Realistically, the, the the Empire would be like guys from, you know, the first series of movies, like these British men sipping Earl Grey, doing orbital bombardments, being like, oh yes, Sector 4, just immolated. Fire. And Star Destroyers just destroy con Fire. <laughs> They're Star Destroyers. Why don't they destroy stars? Something. Come on. <laughs> That's false advertising. <laughs> Whatever shipyard marketed well, those ships. Maybe they are trying to destroy the stars of the film. Oh. oh. It's meta. It's a meta name. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. They're still really shitty at it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are we done with those? N- you know what? Yeah, I don't even know if I want to move I'm on. I'm done with you, Star Wars. The future is bleak. Oh, Star but on the top of Star Wars, I actually really... I. Been very seriously considering getting into Star Wars X-Wing, which is like a tactical uh, miniatures combat. Oh game. yes, yeah, yeah, I do it. It, it, it looks so fucking expensive though. When we went to walk through that, I feel store. like I mean it's one of those hobbies that is a black hole. Yeah. So once once you pop, you just can't stop. <laughs> it's a tube of Pringles with no bottom. You have too many of those. I know, but I really want to play it. But like, so they just came out with. Uh, a revised core set, like a Force Awakens revised core set, and it's like apparently good if you get one Force Awakens core set and like one of the regular core set, and you're good to play with two players. I think uh, I'm probably going to end up getting it because I do want to <laughs> just play it. I'll play with you. Yeah, I knew I'd you be would. totally excited. Yeah, I'd be down like yeah, day and one. I'll hear the miniatures just like they come pre-painted and they're so pretty. It just. It's oh, like, they're, oh, they're already yeah. They're, they, okay. It's all pre-painted, so they do look. It's good, worth you know, the price. In the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The store, they do look good. Okay. Anyways, that takes it away for movie musings. We're done here. All right. Well, the next thing is the video game variety show, and uh, today we're going to be talking about Resident Evil Seven um, because we all recently played it. Well, semi recently. Um, it's the, yeah, back when it came out. Yeah, it was the most recent. Uh, um, installation. installation of um, no installment. Yes, Sorry, installment. Yeah, well, I just laughed on that. <laughs> we were all about it. complex words yeah. today. Yeah, comp- three syllables. Eccentric. It's, it's the most. Uh, <laughs> hey, they haven't heard that yet. Inception. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> whatever. No. 
<laughs> I'm sorry, Leo. That's not an inception. Yeah. <laughs> it's the latest installment. Let him inoculate in us with his <laughs> Shut up, you guys. I'm buying you each a thesaurus for Christmas. It's okay. the most recent initiation um, <laughs> of the Resident Evil series. And as the most recent installment, <laughs> it's, uh, I, we wanted to talk about it because I think we, we all played it through, uh, I played it through twice, actually. I played it uh, through once. I wanted to play it through again before this, but Marty didn't let me borrow his copy I haven't seen you. That's <laughs> true. We were supposed to get together. And I'm not going to buy it again just to play it for you schmucks. Well, sure. go tell Aunt Rhody how you feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I really love Resident Evil 7. Um, it was garbage. What are you talking about? Yeah. It was so good. It actually was. It good. was really it was good. It really harkened back. Was to it really good? It was good. Okay. It was fantastic, especially the beginning, the first half of it. I'd say the first half of it. Yes, I'd say half. I yeah. agree. And then it was. It went from great to good, and it's, but uh, for me, it kind of it went. To, it went from. In Leland's terms, it went from good to mediocre. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just how you feel about everything. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, <laughs> like I said, we'll do a community podcast on the road, <laughs> and you can talk about how much you loved the first three seasons, then season five and six of Community, and how season four was still pretty good. But, See, no, season four was not good. Yeah, but you'll find a way to Do we have it. to have a Pretty Little Liars one, too? No, Please, fuck no. no. I don't want to okay. rant for an hour and a half about that. My head will... I'll have an aneurysm or a heart attack or something. Hey. Don't tell me these pretty little lies. <laughs> you know how you feel about it. Oh, I did finish it, by the way. Update, listener. I finished it. It yeah. was just as bad as the... <laughs> did, it, did it live up to your expectations? It, 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 it actually didn't even live up to my terrible expectations. <laughs> Anyways, I'm sorry I keep interrupting okay. you. Okay, back it, to is, is Resident this... Evil 7 from Pretty Little <laughs> right, well, Holy this, shit, this, we have to actually not record it like 1.30 in the morning anymore because this is the, se- the segue segment's over okay. <laughs> we want to talk about Resident Evil 7 how we felt okay. about it be- because we liked the Resident we all liked the Resident Evil series we all um, have different favorite installments or we played not all of us have played all of them I don't think you played all of them Leland you played I think no. four, 4 and 5 and I played 4, 5, 7 and 2 yeah and uh, I played all of them except for 6 um, and 3 actually I haven't played Nemesis um, I really like the originals. I don't really go back and play them because I feel like they're a little bit too abusive and old old style. Uh, I like how this one updated that. You can play it. It still feels like you're kind of controlling a bit of a tank and the new one is not as intuitive. As yeah, and that's um, that entirely comes from just it being first person. Though, I totally. And uh, that was a smart decision. I oh, think. I think so. Um, I want to try in virtual reality. I think that'd be really that'd cool. That'd be nuts. Um, the first like half hour of the game is really really tense when you're not quite sure what's going on. Yeah, you have no idea what that was um, I went in completely blind, too, which was really fun. Um, uh, but I, I was playing it, and the whole beginning with Mia um, kind of turning uh, warped and stuff, and you don't yeah. revenge when she starts crawling up the stairs towards you. That's yeah, freaky. really freaky. Yeah. You know, playing that at, like, midnight with the sound blaring, it's pretty cool. <laughs> um, actually, my wife just left. She's like, I can't handle this. Like, <laughs> this is too scary. It actually is, like, legit scary at sometimes. Yeah. Like, it's really freaky. And uh, they do a good job with that with, like, Jack and uh, how he's kind of omnipresent. Yeah. And uh, apparently, like, you can actually see him pop in and out of rooms occasionally, like, because the game literally teleports him. So he's, like, nearby. Oh. So, like, it's almost game-breaking. Yeah. But uh, if it doesn't do that to you, it seems like he's everywhere, yeah. which is the intention. Um, 
I want to say I kind of had that happen one time, but it felt as if he teleported right behind me. Yeah. But I think he just, like, saw me and, like, ran at me. Yeah. It happened a few times. Because, like, he saw me through a window, and I guess he came in through a side door or something. Yeah. And he's like, I saw him, at the same time he saw me, and I was like, ah! He's like, hey! I was like, oh, no! And then suddenly, I'm, like, trying to grab this gun or something, and he's, like, behind me, like, raping me with his weapon or whatever he's got. Reminding you that you're gonna die. (laughs) (laughs) And you do! Very quickly. Uh, Yeah. I, I don't like that he's such an ammo sink, too, because you think, okay, maybe I will take him down. He lasts five seconds, and then you regret it instantly. Totally. Um, I don't know how it was that scary on easy. I didn't play it on easy, but apparently it is still frightening on easy, Moby. Yeah, it, it really was. I wouldn't know any better if it wasn't, but uh, yeah, it was scary. And I just loved the game to death. I played Zero Remake 2, 3, Code Veronica 4, I'm trying to think where where I'm going, you know, up seven, and I pay, played part of I believe it's Revolutions for Wii U. I gotta play more of that. I really yeah, started. yeah, those are very similar to I think like they're a good mix of the original and Resident Evil Four. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, it's the only Resident Evil that I truly loved, other than remake. Even though I like many of them, mm-hmm. uh, I just love that game to death. And just like remake, basically as soon as I beat it, I played through it again. I found it scary as hell uh, for the first part. I felt it was interesting because basically as soon as you go into... Uh, what's what's the guy's name? What What is this Jack's son's name? Oh, I thought it was Jack the, the son. Or no, Jack's the dad, Jack's right? the dad. Um, yeah, what is the son's name? I don't know. Okay. Well, yeah, for When you go yeah. into his fun house, basically the game goes from horror to action for the most part. Yeah, it kind of follows the the Resident Evil series along. Like it starts out like Resident Evil One. It's right. very self contained. You're very pathetic. You're running most of the time, and it, and like Nemesis, like it kind of follows that sort of train of thought. And then as the game goes on, you're more Resident Evil Four, and by the end, even. Felt almost like Resident Evil Five a little bit, like very actiony, like big, yeah. big battles, and um, I don't know if that was the right decision, but I understand. I don't think it was. I understand what they were going for. They almost felt like they wanted to like represent the Resident Evil series, which was an interesting decision. And that uh, I know their fear with it was that by making it so tense and scary throughout the whole game, it would kind of shy people away from it because it would it'd be almost too much to handle. That's It'd be like too stressful. Ridiculous. But I think that was the best part. Like, honestly, like... Yeah, of course it was. In the first couple... You only need to play the first half of this game. In the first half, like, there was times where, like, do I even want to play right now? Because, like, I know I'm going to turn on and be like, fuck. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> like, it's, like, like feel, feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's that's a cool feeling. I like when games can yeah, bring you out of that comfort zone. Oh, totally. And uh, the first two areas were definitely like that with Jack and then with the, the uh, bug alien vagina monster <laughs> creature mom. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't like that the part. Giant ass. Um, I like the old house. Um, yeah. I like it. When you're in the house, yeah, house is the best part for sure. And when you first see those those gooey monster things, what are they calling it? Oh, uh, the, the molded. molded. The molded. Yeah. When you first encounter those in like the basement, yeah, that is a difficult part and like a intense part. Yeah, because you're not really sure if it's a better run. Yeah, or it's a better run yeah. Pass. And like, re- I, there was a couple times where I just like. I chose to run, and I yeah. ran right into an old room full of them, and just got like yeah, demolished, just yeah. destroyed. Yeah, 
I think that was one of my biggest criticisms was that there wasn't enough enemy variation. Yeah, that's a big so, you fight the molded, which are basically like these shadow goo monsters, which are like dead people that have been like kind of like corrupted and just molded into like sort of like slave monsters, I guess. Yeah. Um, and they do vary throughout the game. Like you do find fight ones that are almost like liquors, like they crawl on the ground. Yeah. And like some bigger like tank versions, I guess. Um, but that's it. You don't fight like there's no big reveal. There's no big like uh, reveal of like the hunter in Resident Evil One, and there's no big. Uh, even in, um, like, Resident Evil 4, you fight, like, the uh, those blind guys that run at you near the end. <laughs> the Garadors. The Garadors or whatever, <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's a few reveals in Resident Evil 4 as, yeah. you, as you go on. And there was no real... There's a lot of enemy, different enemies in RE4. Yeah, and there wasn't really much in this. And, uh, no, that was... Even, ah, man. Like, even the boss fights, um, the one that I like was the one with Jack. Um, with the chainsaw battle, just yeah. it, it, it was very terrible to control, um, but it was really cool. Just because it, it felt, was cool, and it yeah. actually wasn't like you, the mechanics of it and like the gameplay controls of it. You think it would be hard, yeah. but it's actually like very survivable. It, yes, but you still feel like you just survive. Yes, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that was really good. But honestly, every other boss fight sucked. I liked fighting the uh, the mom. Yeah, I did giant not, mom. I like fighting her. I thought that was the worst fight. It went on way too long. All I'm doing is just unloading every weapon I have, and I did not like it. She's an ammo. Did not sure. like it. It, it felt. That's tough. where the game started to turn for me too. Hmm. That was probably the last. Her whole area with all the, all those bugs. I didn't like any of those enemies. I liked it. I liked that mechanic. Um, I thought it was still scary, and I, she was actually pretty easy to get away from. But because, yeah. If you, she was, but if you actually if you go the left way instead of the right way, it's way easier too. Like it's just, oh. yeah, I don't know why, but like if she's in the one room, it's way harder because if you go oh. the other way, you get like some of the items earlier. It makes it a lot easier. I see. So playing it again and doing it that way made it like almost, oh, okay. almost skippable. Yeah, um, I don't think I had one encounter with her uh, until I fought her. Oh yeah, oh. I just, I just ran faster. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it definitely passed that when you go into like the kids area, like uh, his like trap filled, like booby trap, yeah. monster filled room. That wasn't very good. Well, see, by by that point, you are just racing to get to the end of the game. Yeah, it feels like like even when um, further past it, I think it was when you're going through the the cave. Yeah, system, yeah, it's near yeah. The you're just running through it and gunning these things down, That's right? And just trying to go. It really reminded me of the island in RE4. Yes. yes. That entire last chapter, you were just yeah. trying to get. That reminded me of just the cave systems on the island in RE4. Yeah. It's literally the same. Yeah, totally. Um, you just uh, want to get through it. You Because, like, the whole. Before in RE4 and, the, and RE7, yeah. the whole first part of that game up to that point, you are, you're pretty meticulously going through every part in every area. Yeah. One, because you need to scavenge for things just to be able to continue and survive. Mm-hmm. But also because uh, because the areas are cool and they're interesting and the even just the interactions and the layouts of the enemies in some of those areas yeah. is cool. They like, feel worth exploring. Yes, exactly. Uh, like there's a payoff, like a risk-reward payoff. Yeah, 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 um, totally. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the one thing I did like in 7 is the uh, laboratory flashback and, e- and the videotapes yes. in general. So um, yeah. I did like the where you play as uh, Mia. Yes, uh, I thought oh, that was see, cool. I didn't like that, and I like how you lose like some of your stuff for a bit when you're when you're in that area, and you have to like start regaining it. Yeah, it made it tough again. 
Um, yeah, but to me, that just felt way too artificial. Right. That was actually, it was funny, because, like, I basically blitzed through that entire game up to that point. Mm-hmm. I, like, literally, one whole sitting, I was playing the game, like, a, on, on a Saturday, morning to night, and when I hit that point of me, I'm like, I'm, I think I'm done. Mm-hmm. But it took me up to that point to really feel like, yeah. I've had enough of this game for now. Okay. And then I came back. I think it was literally like three or four days later that I came back and actually finished the game. See, I took I took my time with it. I played it over about two weeks yeah. I think at first, so it took me a bit oh, to get okay. to the end. And so maybe that's why I didn't feel like ever hit a point where I was like, okay, this is too yeah. much. Yeah, I mean, that could be why those enemies really quickly got super samey. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I should not do that. I really consume a lot of media very rapidly, and maybe that is destroying my enjoyment of some of these things. It could be. I um, do think in certain cases... Uh, <laughs> I think I think Like, general, maybe Pretty Little Liars really is good. Yeah, if you spread it out over eight years. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Like, waited for the seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did, like... like my, The videotapes were probably the coolest part of that game, though. Like, edition-wise. Yeah. Yeah, um, specifically, the Happy Birthday tape. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was my favorite. That was funny. That was frustrating sometimes. Was, like, yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? I can't get little fire. I felt really stupid. Yeah. I mean, then the, sli- the solution yeah. was cool. It is actually pretty easy, too, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, Moby, any thoughts? Uh, you know, I wanted to say, the only thought I'd add under this specific point we've got here is that uh, I thought Jack was a fantastic villain. I thought his voice actor was really good and hammed it up perfectly. I I thought the character model was very good. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. I just thought Jack was a, a great bad guy. Yeah, I agree. It fit really well with the uh, the whole Resident Evil vibe, which is sometimes they, they fall straight too far away from, but it should be a little bit overacted, and he did a great job doing that. Yeah, and I think uh, Leland just really cannot appreciate art like that. No. And I, I think... Leland one day is going to have to admit how much of a pretentious asshole he is with half the media we discuss here. Yeah, and his silence uh, definitely uh, equates him agreeing with us. Well, he's currently Twittering to his three followers. Yes. Um, two in India, uh, one in Taiwan. I believe they're pay followers, though. Like, they don't really count because you pay them to follow you. It, that's true. I've heard his credit card is mostly maxed out. Yeah. Due to that. It's just a, he has know. a reoccurring problem of maxing his credit card. Yeah. <laughs> so, did the games capture that survival horror feel of the original there, Marty? Uh, I think it definitely did, especially the first half. Um, I hope they stick to that. I hope that's where the route they go and they don't stray away from it like they did with where they took Resident Evil 4, which was great, and just warped it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I hope they stick to this terrifying kind of co- first-person concept they've found and established, and hopefully uh, run with it a little bit more than they did with this one. Like, stick to that, keep it tense. There's a way of doing it where there's constant pressure on the player without... You know, you can become stronger, you can get the shotgun, you can become a little bit more powerful as the game goes on, but... Maybe part of that is introducing harder enemies that aren't just mm-hmm. the animal sinks. They're just scared. Like, you know, um, introduce more enemy types, keep the pressure on, like when Jack was falling in the end of the game. Yeah. Maybe it's too much to be followed the whole game, but that constant threat that he could come back, which he does, was really, really intimidating. Yeah, you know what? Remake 
uh, for the GameCube, and I guess it was remade for Wii, has a certain mode you can unlock later where um, Forrest, who is like the team sniper, but he's a zombie, he can be unlocked in a certain mode. So he's like covered in bombs, strapped with bombs. He moves pretty fast, and he basically tries to run into you and mm. blow you up. And he just makes random appearances. Oh, wow. And I, I, I found it pretty intense. That's cool. So, it is cool. It's actually not turn offable. Oh. Once you unlock it, you go through like a certain few things, and then he's there for every future game. Oh, shit. So, Bomb zombie. I know. He's made me go from easy mode to semi-easy mode. It's very, <laughs> <laughs> very scary. Very easy. And it still takes you half a year to beat it every year. It does, yes. Because as much as I like the game, you know, having completed it 31 times, I do need a break. Uh, I actually wanted to say that it doesn't capture the survival horror feel of the first. What I mean by that is just it's a different kind of survival horror. The first was third-person view and basically a haunted house. That's all it was. This one, I think, is a lot more creative in that it puts you into the eyes of uh, of the protagonist. And it's a lot more brutal violence than, you know, oh no, there's some creepy music and a crow is looking at me and it might peck me. Or maybe I'm selling the original Resident Evil a little short there. But the fact that Jack can come through a fucking wall and go, wee you know, at the top of his lungs. <laughs> yeah, that's practically crazy. rip you in half. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel that way too. It, it establishes that really early with me at cutting your hand off. Yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's, that's a pretty cool part. Yeah, like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. No. I think everyone who played went like, did I just lose? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What did, did I do wrong? wrong? What did yeah. I do wrong? I thought exactly that. Yeah. But now a couple stitches gets put back right on it. I like how you can either fight her at the end, or she's like, uh, just like a figment of your imagination. Like, that's pretty <laughs> awesome. That's cool. Yeah. But I just still don't get what, I know what's going on in that story. Like, they don't give you, and you don't really get anything. They give you quite a bit. Um, what? No, you find a suitcase with a fetus in it, and that's what's turning people weird. What the fuck? Okay. No, basically, this other company that's not Umbrella has been developing bioweapons, and they progressively got to, you know, the, Grandmama. Yeah, the grandma, that like the, the little girl that yeah. has the, bi- the bioweapon. Um, the other ones, like oh. the fetus and stuff, were like the previous attempts. They, they were like oh, so the failed version. But you get those pieces to make this antidote. Right? Yeah, you take like the pieces of like the failed uh, like bioweapons and you oh. make the antidote. Well, was that as disturbing that to you sense. guys as it was to me? The fetuses and then detaching the one girl's slimy arm who's like dead sitting on a chair in an alcove. I cannot handle kids dying horrifically in games <laughs> or movies. It's just a phobia of mine. And I was, like, gagging. The first time I played, I was gagging. And I played through it, but... That's fine. This yeah, is it, was, it wasn't really that graphic or anything, I don't think. Um, Detaching arm. Not any more than it. I just watched his arm get cut off earlier. Yeah, but he's an adult. Yeah. See me? I've got this weird line. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, kid, you have morals. <laughs> <laughs> Where we're going, we don't need morals. Well, segue to the future. Where the hell do we go from here with Resident Evil? Well, hopefully to Resident Evil 8. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. We don't go to Resident Evil minus one like we went back to zero. Hey, you guys, it just occurred to me. This is episode seven. 
We're talking about Resident Evil 7. Wow. Was that planned? Yeah, Mr. Content Director planned it. Wow. Okay. That's legitimately just occurred to me. No, he didn't. And we discussed Star Wars 7. Oh, wow. Wow. We're fucking on point today. I hope the cardboard segment has a seven. Yeah, it's about why is rolling oh. seven so important in every game. <laughs> yeah. Are we are we ready to move on to the great? Yeah, I guess we could wrap this up. So we liked Resident Evil Seven. It was. Oh good. yeah, I, I really liked it. It was good and also bad. Is that like the theme of everything we always? It had a lot. It had mostly good parts. Yeah. No, I really liked it. Yeah, I mostly liked it. Where it goes in the future, I thought it was interesting that Chris Redfield comes in on an umbrella insignia helicopter. Yeah. I. It would be interesting if Umbrella has been reborn as the sort of biological weapon containment unit mm. that now uses the heroes. We'll see if where they go there, but I think that's a cool idea. I also love the use of Go Tell Aunt Rhody. Oh, that song yeah. is so creepy. It is. They do a perfect job with that. Well, and Grandma too, just appearing in the hallways yeah, and like staring at you. Her head like rolling around. Sometimes I like test that by just going either side yeah. and seeing how. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she did that. I wonder if I can find a uh, YouTube clip of that song. I'll try to find it and put it in the show notes. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, they got good. It is really creepy. It is, is, yeah. All right, well, I think that's about it. Why don't we move on? All right, let's move on to Crazy About Cardboard. We haven't had one of these in an episode or two. I don't think we had. We didn't have it last episode. In episode six, Geek is Good. No, you got the cut last episode. Yeah, I got the cut, but that's all right. All right, well, make up for it. We'll talk for three hours. All right, cool. We're pretty damn close to that. No, actually, we're pretty actually fine on time, surprisingly. Uh, But in this episode's Crazy About Cardboard with the whole future theme, thought we'd talk about the future of board games and specifically board game apps and their use within the cardboard medium. Okay, what do you mean by that? Well, there's uh, quite a few games as of late that have, like, app implementations. Uh, the majority of them, like, you actually can't play the game without an app. Really? Yeah, there's, uh, like, Fantasy Flight is actually a really big leader in this, I think. Like, a lot of their games have been coming out with apps. And a lot of them, though, um, like, have added apps or came out with like a new edition with an app like uh recent uh, game called mansions of madness second edition has come out and it's like uh Cthulhu themed uh, like you're exploring like uh, a mansion and you're there for some reason depending on the scenario but the first edition was like a one versus many whereas the many played the like investigators in the house and the one was uh, i think they called it a keeper like very much like Descent, uh, he was a keeper and he was controlling like the cultists and the baddies and what uh, is you know what happens in the rooms and stuff. But now in the second edition, uh, they've done away with the keeper and it is all app based. So on mm-hmm. the app and the app actually, I don't really. I think it shows you set up so as you're exploring the house though and moving th- from room to room. On the app, it it reveals the new room, and then you physically build it. So it gives you, um, it really gives you a, a sense of exploring this mansion. Whereas, like with this first edition, the setup was the whole board. So you you see the mansion, the house already made kind of thing, right? 
And, like, I think there, there's a lot of problems with the first edition. Like, if you mess it up, then, like, pretty much the whole game's ruined, <laughs> right? Because mm-hmm. just of the way it, it, some of the... Because there's, like, puzzles in it and stuff, right, that you solve. And you find clues and shit to see what's going on. Uh, so, apparently, second edition is really freaking cool. And I would like to try it. But, I don't know. It's pricey. And I don't know how I feel about apps and games. But we'll get to that. But games like... Even like Descent, like they've done the same thing. They they have an app that has done away with the the keeper or whatever it's called, basically. And so now it's like a full co-op. And actually really recently there's a game called First Martians, another co-op that this is another game that you need the app to play it because the app runs the scenarios for you. So it's like you're on a colony on Mars and you basically you have like this big board of all these different systems and you have to make sure the there you maintain them and then you have an objective you're trying to accomplish and the app will you know direct you when uh direct you to like a malfunction in one of these systems and each system has its own deck that you draw kind of thing so like they're getting pretty way more and more prevalent in Hmm. board games i don't know how i might feel about that like I kind of feel like that's the opposite of the point of having a board game. It takes away yeah. from the physical aspect. At that point, I'd rather just play a video game, maybe. Well, um, see, they're not... Yeah, I, I'm like pretty much in agreement with you. But I, it opens up a lot of more possibility, I think, within these games. So you still get that, you know, everyone in the same room camaraderie right. kind of thing. But having the the technology, the, the app medium, um, you can, like in the case of scenarios, like Mansions of Madness, when you play the same, you can play the same scenario multiple times and it plays out differently for you because a lot of aspects of it are randomly generated. Okay. Whereas with just the cardboard physical components, you don't get that amount, you don't get that replayability or that even depth of, of gameplay or possibly depth of strategy. So, like, they really do have their merits in them. Hmm. And also, like, it just makes running the game way cleaner in yeah. most of these cases. I guess D&D has a lot of that aspect to it as well. Yeah. You can do a lot of stuff on the computer or... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very similar. Yeah. I didn't even think of to bring that up. That's a really good point. There's tons of uh, websites, you know... Like that map generators. Yeah, map generators yeah. or uh, even, like, just legit like rule 20 yeah. playing a whole campaign online you don't even have to be in the same room you're all just through this this software right yeah yeah that's a even really like good dice point. rolling apps yeah well no one likes dice rolling apps you want to roll the die you want to have a hand mitt full of dice you want to roll you know it's well i think it's great that marty mentioned D because i think that was so successful with an old group that i used to play with that it's honestly tainted my perspective more towards, yeah, computers and apps, you know, have a place with games. We were all, the I, I think it was all our first time playing D&D was together. Edition 4, is that correct? Years ago? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, look, it was fun, but I was the DM and I was like using pennies as walls on a pool table at my dad's old place <laughs> yeah, and stuff true. like that and paper. And it was, it was kind of a mess. It was still fun. And so when I played with this new group that I think they were using um, Roll20, 
it was great where you could like actually have line of sights that were cut off from the monsters yeah, and you stuff got, like that. Yeah, you could have like fog of war tools and stuff. I thought it was the perfect balance because we all had our own books, we had our own dice, which I thought was important. We were we were still doing the pen and paper thing with our profile pages, but the stuff that was better adapted to being digital was. And yeah, and it was great. Yeah. My concerns over digital stuff being brought to board games is actually a little different. It's kind of technical in that I've been a late adopter, especially with cell phone technology. And my cell phone that I even have now is technically for personal use, but it's a company phone. I have to be very careful about data and what I put on it. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I could, uh, you know, buy a second phone, but I'm not a drug dealer. I'm a Richie Rich. So, um, you know, what, yeah. You, you con- don't want to get a border phone just for board game apps? <laughs> <laughs> a border phone. A border phone. <laughs> a border phone. And, you know, there's other things going into it too. You know, what, what operating system? Do you build it all for Android and, you know, iPhones? Leland, you tell yeah. me, like, are most of these apps done for both or one? Oh, yeah, yeah. You, I think you are foolish if you don't have it as widely available as possible. But to your point about your, your, your phone and your technology, a lot of these games, you actually only need one phone or tablet uh, or, okay. in most cases, a laptop to be running this software. I was going to ask that because I've always been a laptop guy yeah. and I didn't know if these are also built for PCs. Oh, yeah, I a think lot a lot. I think the mo- most of them are like, especially, well, like, again, Masters of Madness, that like, I, a, I've heard a lot of people will run the app on their laptop and just uh, hook it up to their TV. Okay. Yeah. So you have this big display that everyone can see and view kind of thing. Um, yeah, no, I, I think there's, there's, they're very accessible, and there's I think that you'll always find a workaround to be able to use, like uh, like XCOM, for instance. Again, another fantasy flight game. Have I? I don't know if I played that with you guys. No, no. Well, it's like you know, it's uh, the X, XCOM, the board game. It's like based off of the video game franchise, right? And it's a cooperative game, but it is all run through an app, so it plays one to four players, and everyone has a specific role, and they're each in charge of doing. Uh, you know, they each have kind of their own gameplay that they, and collaboratively, you're trying to fend off this alien invasion. The map is like a map of the world, and you're you're managing threat levels and, and stuff, and there's like a whole sideboard where you have to protect your base, and then there's a player who sends like squad squad figures on missions and stuff. It's a whole whole big thing, but it's all run through an app. So basically, you, you need one phone, and the, the, the whatever role it's called, uh, the commander or something, he's the one basically running the app. He does other stuff too, but so again, you only need like a single phone, and that one you can get on the laptop too. Like, hmm. yeah, okay. some some of them, some games though, you don't you don't have to use the app. Like one of the very first games to really start implementing this was a game called Alchemists, and it's a it's a game. Where basically you are like, uh, al- you're alchemists, okay, <laughs> duh, but you are like combining like potion components to, uh, which then give you like the characteristics of those combinations. And you're trying to figure, you're trying to basically trial and error your way to find a specific formula or something like that. So 
on your your phone, your app. This is actually one where everyone would probably benefit from having it. But you, you know, you punch in the combinations you have, and you can even like uh, use the camera to scan the cards of what you're using, like. Um, but it does actually come with like an analog version of it, mm-hmm. which is a little clunky though, because like you would you legit need somebody who isn't playing the game but is running this analog version. So they randomly select the different components into this like grid thing. So like this plus this it gives you this result, and they you would feed them your combinations, oh. and they would then secretly feeds you your result kind of thing. So it's really clunky, but like it's at least a workaround, I guess. Mm -hmm. But in most cases... Yeah, the app in that case makes complete sense. Yeah. Yeah. So how? what do you guys think, though, is too far in terms of app implementation? When do you think that line is you're just pretty much playing a video game at that point? I guess I like it when it's adding like that little boost. Like it's almost... Like, like like you're saying, it's augmenting it. It's it's like your inventory, or it's like a chart or something built into your phone where you don't have to reference something. Yeah, it's doing something automatically that would maybe be slow or take away from the game. You know? Yeah, like the um, the minutia. Yeah, exactly. And a little, and a lot of the times it solves like fiddliness of games. Yeah, it cuts down on the fluff a little bit. And as long as it's keeping you involved with other players, then I don't think it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, to expand on that, where I think my line would be is that where you can tell that the board or the physical, the cardboard part of the game is really just redundant and wasn't really focused on. So maybe a board that's just got pieces for you know, each character to move around, but everything else takes place on their individual phones or a, you know, collectible card game okay. where you have the cards, but you just scan them. Okay. And you okay. Back to your first example. I'll give you a perfect example of that exact case, a game called world of Yoho. Okay. Where, so this is again, another thing where everyone would need their own phone, but basically your phone is your ship. So the board is like uh, a map of like, you know, like ocean with islands kind of all over the place. But it's divvied into a grid spaces that are like smartphone shaped. So <laughs> you literally you log in and you all kind of sync into the same game, right? You're all doing the same game. You put your phone down on the map and then your phone's background becomes the background of that little grid square. Hmm. So it blends right into the board and then you see your little ship on it. Huh. And then through that phone, through your phone, you kind of you direct, you know, it's, oh, I'm going to move my ship this direction. And then you kind of give it a swipe in the direction and and then you move your phone to that space, and again, it just changes to the C space you're in. So, so that really, you're paying like, what the fuck are you paying for in that game? You're paying yeah. for a board, but you're still paying full retail price for this game. What comes in this game? It's like a board. Uh, I'd say that's too I guess far. You're just paying for now. I think it's too far. A really but expensive app. it looks really cool though, because yeah. when because you, you can fight each other, and if you get your phones next to the same spaces, you enter combat and stuff. And, like, as you're fighting, uh, so you would each pick up your phones and you each kind of set in, like, three turns or whatever of, of what you kind of want to do. And, like, you key in some weapons. And there is interaction when you're doing that. But then you set them and you just hit fight. And then it literally has these graphics that you, like, if you shoot, like, cannibal, like, shoots the cannibal across oh, from one phone to the uh, other. Yeah. And it, like, it looks really cool. And yeah. I would, 
I really want to pick it up and like I feel play like it'd be a once through. Oh, totally! Through. It's so novelty. Yeah. It's so novelty. But yeah, I, I think that is a little too far. That's gim too gimmicky for me. Yeah, especially paying like seventy bucks for this bloody game. Yeah, yeah, You're not getting much for it. Totally. Um, Leland, have you heard of a game on Kickstarter called Hollow Grid Monster Battle? No. It's interesting. It's a collectible card game that's basically, you know, got a major digital component. Um, I think you build your deck kind of like you would in Magic the Gathering. Um, But when you're fighting, when you're entering combat, you see that your monster is animated on screen and fighting. Hmm. Now, that's kind of, hmm, what makes it intriguing? Does the name Phil Tippett mean anything to you? No. He is like the foremost movie guy for stop motion, and he always has been. He was the guy that got famously replaced on Jurassic Park by the digital dinosaurs. He's uh, the guy that made the iconic line, you know, I, I think we're extinct, meaning stop motion animators. Okay, okay. That was him. He act, He was the guy that did the um, stop motion things on the Millennium Falcon on that little chessboard where they fight, oh, yeah, yeah. jump around. That's yep. him. So huh. he's doing it for that game. He's doing the stop motion. So that's that, cool. that kind of interests me a yeah. little bit. So you actually get physical card though? I believe so, yeah. Huh. And it's just the fighting that's digital. Oh, okay. So and it looks like that's weird. It is weird. That's like that's like a solo CCG-ish, right? Because you don't yeah. have to actually be in the same room to play. I didn't like look into it deep enough. I just okay. saw some pictures, saw it on Kickstarter. Okay, I got what's it called? Okay. I got a like a Hollow Grid H O L O G R I D Monster Battle. Okay. And that way listener can hear too. I gotta look into that. Yeah. I'm interested in seeing the how that game actually works. Yeah, it would be interesting. Yeah, so what, you you get a pack of cards and you physically build your deck and then you put it into your phone, this app and then you fight on the app? Yeah, it looks like you actually battle, like, like you set up your, you know, in front of you with cards, but it looks like just the battling is digital. That's what it looked like. So you're you. So the app is just there to play out the battle. Yes. Oh, that's what it looked like to me. Oh, but I mean, this was not a case of like, you know, one goblin takes you know, a standard strike against some snake or something. It looked like you had an army on each side somehow. Yeah. Which was interesting. Huh. The graphics look decent. That seems weird. Oh, of course. This all seems weird to me. Yeah. Wow, wow, that's interesting. You know, another thing I always think about is, like, my phone is always dead. Yeah, I was thinking about that when we were talking about the ships. I'm like, everyone's phone has to be charged to play. Totally, yeah. Even if my phone's at fifty percent, the battery on is garbage. I can't play. I can't play a game for an hour. Maybe what phone. you need to buy is instead of selling a board, they'll just sell a big phone charger <laughs> that will charge all the phones on a grid. That's right. My Samsung A5 is pretty good there with power, but uh, <laughs> I just need to hijack your Wi-Fi to afford these games. Yeah, you know another benefit I I think for these apps is. Usually they run you through like setup and also gameplay, right? Mm. The gameplay is dictated by the scenario and whatever the app is bringing up to you or throwing at you is kind of what you make of it. And so like it teaches you, almost teaches you the rules in some cases. Mm. I mean, I guess you often you need to know some kind of basics, but 
usually like for XCOM. The tutorial for XCOM is great. I couldn't tell you how to play that game though right now. I would if we were to play, we would probably play the tutorial again and we would just do it. Right. Like I got a you know a semblance. So maybe that's also a negative side to it because I don't think I've actually read the rule book that came in that game, even though I really enjoy reading rule books and also enjoy teaching. So do I really know how to play that game? Like I, I don't. I couldn't, couldn't teach it to you really mm-hmm. without that app. So you think it takes away a little bit from actually? Uh, yeah, maybe it does. It's like weird. It makes it more accessible to learn, but also uh, you can't, you, you don't hold on to it as much. Maybe I don't mm-hmm. know. It's I also like, haven't played that game. It's like having access to like a Wikipedia or something. Sure, yeah. totally. Rather totally. than actually doing your studying, totally. Yeah, mm. but I think games definitely always still come with a rule book. Yeah. Physical rule book, no matter how good your app or your tutorial is or your rules or references on your on your app. Oh yeah. That yeah. totally pisses me off with video games nowadays, how they've been cheaped out for years. Oh yeah. You buy, buy, buy a video game they got nothing put in a this. couple buck yeah. manual. Yeah, I miss those manuals. I like it. I liked when they had a few pages explaining the game even and like yeah. a page diagram with the controls. Yeah, totally. You know. Where did they stop doing that? It must have been uh, about, like, generation. Yeah, yeah, 2009, maybe, 2010. Sometimes you can get a special edition, they have a book, you yeah. know, that's about it. I've been paying out 30 bucks for it. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> like, if you're lucky. The last question that we've got here is really intriguing to me, which is, will we come to a point where gaming evolves in the foreseeable future that classic cardboard gaming goes the way of the dinosaur? No. No, I, I agree no. with you, no. No. Because I think just like anything else, look at like retro gaming, Mm -hmm. you know, the people want that. People want to be in the same room. They want to be holding a physical thing. They want a controller in their hands. They want cardboard, you know, in front of them. They want pieces. They want the artwork on it. That's something I think that if anything is getting more popular right now. Yeah, Yeah. I, I completely agree. I had those notes down myself. Yeah, I agree with that too. I don't know. I just, there's something that's, uh, kind of nice and like simple about setting up a board game and not having to worry about having your device attached to your hip kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nice turning the phone off. Yeah, it is. Well, and I'm myself, I think I naturally lean towards more the physical side. You know, I'm a guy that still buys DVDs and Blu rays all the time and uh, until a few years ago burned CDs, even though I had a couple <laughs> iPods. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hate digital download stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I like to have the physical thing, it. too. And books. Books. I mean, I could get a Kindle or whatever, an e-reader. I just like physical books. I do, too. I like smelling the pages. Yes. Wow, we share that. Man. Are we gay? <laughs> what? No, I'm just... It's inside It's the same as... <laughs> it's the same <laughs> as um, smelling a pack of freshly opened cards yes. of any card game. Can you guys stop talking about smelling? You know I can't smell. Oh, we're sorry. But you can taste. You can lick the card. Lick the book. That's nah, not the same. That's true. <laughs> hey, I do prefer light licking books than licking computers. <laughs> Just probably, don't gang. Just don't probably smarter. Gang. Yeah, less electrocution risk. <laughs> well, did you guys have any any other last lingering thoughts? Would you? So, if I told you that, hey, let's try this game, but you got to download this app first. That would that put you on? I'd tell you to shove it. Uh, I probably would pull it off, especially if it's a game I I really want on my phone to play with you. Yeah. I mean, I think my specific case with my work would let a few apps slide. 
I'll tell you this, though. I do not want to see beloved board games, like full cardboard game series that I love, such as Axis and Allies, go like digital, and you have to do it. And it becomes yeah. mandatory. That would be very offensive to me. Like to play the play the physical copy. Yeah, so they came out with a yeah. new Axis and Allies Global, but you had to use your phone with it to do die rolls or something like yeah, that. I would yeah. hate that. Yeah, that wouldn't make any sense, right? Well, no. I, but I just, get what you're... I understand what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. there's uh, I mean, it's funny, though. Like, if you can't take a game that already exists and add an app to it, really, in most cases. I mean, I did say they did that with Descent, but, like, that type of game is a little different. But how could you take a game like uh, Euphoria or something, or Camelop is even simpler, and, like, add an app to it and expect people to use it after they've been playing this mm-hmm. game. You know, it's much easier to be, like, developing a game in conjunction with an app. Yeah. Specific, right, you know? Otherwise, you just, just take a game and make it a digital form. Just turn it into a digital copy of that. Well, that's what I'm worried would happen for the most part, but they still sell it in a small box. Yeah, so but... You have a few yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they have... There's like hundreds of games they take and they implement them and make it a mobile game. Like you can, you can play Carcassonne on mobile. I, uh, I love playing Oniram. That's a, like a solo card game. I have that on my phone. Like Ticket to Rye. You know, like there's tons of like right. video game implementation. But you still have the, you still can get the original cardboard version. Oh, my yeah, point yeah, here yeah. is that not to discontinue the cardboard. And right. They're not going to replace them. Yeah, or or have it just as a stupid little board where you move in a couple. But of you know, it's a funny thing to say. They don't they don't like replace them in the market. But for a lot of people, they replace them in the way they play those games. Hmm. Like a lot of, a lot of people hmm. will only play specific games over an app just because it's more convenient. One to get to get players together. Like you just hook up with a random user online and just play a game. And a lot of the games you can play, you know, a, not symmetrical, where you take a turn and then your opponent will, you know, get to a turn in a few hours or the next day they take their turn and you're just Mm -hmm. going back and forth with the gameplay. So, I don't know. It's weird. It's a cool, I think there's room for both, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's shown that there is, but. I think that's the sign of the times and that's something that's like any of our media nowadays. We want it when we want it. So, it's the same as playing a game with our friends. Sometimes it's like, hey, you know, we're not, we're not all on the same schedule. Exactly. Exactly. And it gives you just one more outlet to be able to experience those great games Mm -hmm. and not be hampered by the fact, by the need and the necessity of getting a bunch of people in the same room and set it up on a table. Yeah. So I like, yeah, there's definitely merits to all in-betweens, both sides and all in-betweens, I think. But I mean, for me, when I see a game has an app, it doesn't draw me into it. And it borderline detracts me from it, personally. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Sounds good. I think that uh, wraps up our episode, finally. Let's yeah. let's just do uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Let's just do the whole episode. <laughs> day man, we'll uh, keep cycling through day man. Okay, let's. I'm sure listeners had enough of us. It's very late. It is twenty to three in the morning. Holy right crap! Now. Okay, yeah, wow. it's 
been a long day. I'm going on a full 24 hours of sleep pretty, pretty soon here, so getting there. All right. Uh, I guess I'll say the old stuff we say at the end of the podcast. If you like what we do, you know, subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud and Stitcher. Give us some ratings, maybe. Give us some feedback. We like interacting. We've actually had quite a bit of feedback on SoundCloud, SoundCloud recently. It's nice. Some suggestions from some users for future topics that we were going to get into, maybe. Uh, but you can find us. Visit our website at ttpopcast.wordpress.com. Uh, you can search the TR Popcast on Facebook, and we come up to our Facebook page. Give us a like there. And I think that is it. Oh, you know what? I haven't promoted myself for a while. Go ahead. If you like pina colada, pina colada and getting drunk in the rain, then you will love some of my board game reviews and fiction <laughs> on my website, uh, which is lelandsteelfiction.wordpress.com. <laughs> Listener, I've been Leland Steel. And I'm Artie. And I'm Moby. Thanks, Thanks care. Care.